Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Healthy Scratch podcast. Uh, we are hosted on Hot Sauce Sports, and we are very grateful that they are hosting us. My name is Spencer Plamondo. I'm Tyler O'Connor. I'm Chris Johnston Galvez. And yeah, we got a good show for you guys. Uh, we're going to be tackling some topics around the league. I mean, the Artemi Panarin thing needs to be discussed. Obviously, Claude Julien, Dominic Ducharme uh, were fired. Or, no, sorry, Claude Julien and uh, Kirk Muller were fired, replaced by Dominic Ducharme and uh, Alex Burrows. We're going to get into that a little later in the show. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. Let's start with uh, let's start with what's going on around the league here. Right now, Artemi Panarin has been accused of assaulting a woman 10 years ago an 18 year old woman i believe right 10 years ago yeah yeah um in russia this came out it's tough to sort through i mean chris you were just telling me that you had heard i think i think you said it was puck soup that there was it was apparently this was being uh, it was it was said by a former teammate who said that he heard it through nazarov yeah it seems to be a, a player who once played for nazarov told him the story of panarian uh, that happened in oh, Latvia okay. 10 years ago. So the player told Nazarov and Nazarov told the press, allegedly. Uh, no, the other way around. Oh, the, okay, it wasn't Nazarov okay. told this player and the player told the press the story that Nazarov told him. Okay. There's a lot of smoke around this, right? And it clear, of course there is because it's coming out of Russia. But I, I'd heard um, that it was it was from Nazarov, and I'd heard that part of that was Nazarov saying that he tied Panarin's behavior to his uh, lack of support for Putin, basically saying, you know, like his his beliefs led him to doing this. You know, the fact that he wasn't you that he was against Putin led him to becoming, you know, a guy who would beat up an 18 year old woman. Um, and I don't know whether that report was true or not. There's so much up in the air. We don't have to talk about it for too long because it's a very delicate subject. I think the most important thing to, to acknowledge, first of all, is that, you know, you believe victims first, right? But victims yeah. absolutely deserve to be believed when they come forward. The thing that's tough in this is we don't even know who the victim is, if there is a victim, and it does make it tough to, to sort through. We're going to follow along on this for sure, and we'll, we'll definitely keep up to date on it if, if there's any new details. Panarin's taking a leave of absence. He's denying it vehemently. Um, and it look from devil's advocate like it would make sense that something like this would be done to slander him after speaking out on putin that being said it's possible that this is true and they wanted to dig up dirt on him and they released this uh to do that so it's it's a very yeah. delicate situation we're going to let it play out one thing to note is that he's posting on instagram in support of navalny and i think there's a big misconception with Navalny right like this guy is a nationalist he's not a he's not a good dude yeah, yeah the only thing people know about him is that he's anti-Putin but uh he wants things to be uh Russia to be even tougher against the West yeah this is not a good guy either yeah so even if the, even if that's the guy that you want instead of Putin we're not talking about a good man so yeah uh, a lot of this Panarin stuff is dicey no whatever statements come from the victim that's the truth I'll come I'll go for exactly yeah. And right now, it's tough to find out where the victim is. Yeah, she doesn't need to be public. It doesn't need to be public at all. Yeah. But whatever statements the 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 victim has made or will make, that's the truth. For exactly. Me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's exactly where I stand with it too. And yeah. we'll we'll follow it as it, as it breaks. And uh, yeah, I mean, right now there's not a ton to say on it. You know, like I, I I absolutely take accusations like this very seriously. It's just the circumstances in which it happened make the issue very cloudy. Um, and it's very interesting, but there's, you know, there's only so much you can, you can say on, on solid ground on an issue like this. So we're going to, we're going to follow along, but for now, you know, we wanted to touch on it and we'll, we'll move on for now and bring, uh, bring ourselves around to it in the future. If, if there's more to talk about, uh, moving on from that, Winnipeg and Edmonton are heating up in the North division. Uh, Edmonton's eight and two in their last 10, Winnipeg's six, three and one. They're, they're going up the standings. The Canadians are a point behind Winnipeg right now. Both have 18 games played. Uh, huge game tonight between the two of them. Um, yeah. You were saying in Edmonton, Chris, that McDavid, contrary to what we've actually you know hinted at on the show, his defensive play has been very good, right? Yeah. So the for his entire career, he's been objectively terrible at it. Uh, but this year, not in every category, he looks like a darling. But in expected goals against, um, he actually looks quite good. He, he's in the top ten right between Crosby and Joel Erickson Eck. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know enough about Joel Erickson Eck, uh, take some time because that guy is really good at hockey. Uh, so yeah, McDavid's defensive play has been really, really good this year, which is uh, 
the only thing he was bad at. So if he gets good at this long term, <laughs> uh, everybody else is in trouble. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like it's inevitability, right? It's Connor McDavid, just like with Crosby. Crosby wasn't great at it. He wasn't great at faceoffs either. And any you know the guys that are that good and have that kind of drive and motor, they uh, they find a way. You know, if they're committed and they want it, they're dedicated to learning. They're they just find a way to get elite at whatever it is. So I imagine that's what we have in the future for us. You know, McDavid is going to be a, a more well-rounded player as the year goes on. Or the years go yeah. on. It's it's impressive to see, though, right? Like, like he, as if he wasn't good enough or dominant enough, if he can start mastering that side of the game, I mean, holy hell. It's uh, it's really something. Ty, how are you feeling tonight uh, going into Winnipeg-Montreal? This is a huge game. First game since uh, Julien and Muller were fired. If I, if I could just touch on Edmonton real quick before we blow by it. Um, the, the thing that they always lacked the most was... Like they always had, the, you know, McDavid and and Drysaitel, mm-hmm. um, but th- that that was pretty much it. They're two trick, po- they're two two trick pony, if that's a saying, and, and that was outside, and that, that was basically it. Um, right. Whereas recently, it wasn't it wasn't so much this at the start of the season, but recently their depth has started to kick in a little bit more. Puliyarvi seems to have found his game a bit more since since coming back from Europe. Yeah. In the first eleven games, he only had two points. In the last nine, he has six. Um, five of them are goals. So you know he they he's somebody that they always had high hopes for, um, and rightfully. What's so the they, change for him? What's the change for him? Yeah, is he playing with? I I genuinely I, I he's I playing with McDavid. He is okay. That's what I thought. I just wasn't sure if it was something deeper than that. Yeah, he's playing. Obviously, if you're playing with the best player on the planet, um, I mean, just ask ask Zach Cassian how that works out. <laughs> um, and other than that, I mean, even on the blue line, we were talking. I know, I think it was in our first episode, we talked about Clefbaum being out and, and what kind of impact they might have. But both yeah. Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry are both having pretty solid seasons. I know Berry's kind of incredible. looking like he was in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and and Darnell Nurse is on pace to have a career season. He's on pace yeah. for uh, like, I, I forget exactly what the math was, but he he's, I I, I always thought he was a solid defenseman, and then. I guess now because it's a Northern division and we're watching them so much more because all the Canadian teams are just playing each other. I've, I don't know. Maybe I'm just noticing him a lot more. Yeah. He's, he, he does seem like a real difference maker. He was always solid, but he does seem, it does seem like he's taken his game to another level. Um, so yeah, sorry. I just wanted to touch on Edmonton real quick yeah, before we, sure. before we pass that. Um, as far Nurse as Winnipeg, been... Yeah, Nurse, I just want to say quickly, like Darnell Nurse, is re- he has stepped up and, and really yeah, come into his own. Big. He was already a very good defenseman, and now he's yeah. he's really filling some big no, shoes there and, and yeah. playing well. He, he skates, he's smooth, he's yeah. big, he's physical, but he, he he can move the puck. Yep. Um, and he's got he's he's got he's got a nice offensive side to yeah, him. Yeah, you can is, play him in all is, situations. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it, here's the the only catch I'll say with Edmonton is um they're currently first in the league for goals for, but they're twenty seventh for goals against. Yeah. You know, so if the, everything yeah. outside of yeah. McDavid being on the ice yeah. is still a tire fire. Yeah, yeah, it is. But he plays half the game. That's right. the thing, man. So, like, I keep coming back to that. Like, no matter what happens, until the issues underneath the surface yeah. are fixed, yeah. this is ju- they're just going to keep coming back to haunt them. You know, like of course they're going to yeah. go through hot streaks. No team with McDavid and Drysaddle are going to be terrible all the time. And there's more around. Like yeah. again, we talked about Nurse. There's some good players mm-hmm. on that team. They're going to have hot streaks, but the thing that worries me about Edmonton is just that it's the roster is still poorly built, and that's not entirely well, yeah. on Ken Holland. But yeah, yeah, and I and I mean like I mean at the start of the season, like Koskinen was not very good, no. and then they got Mike Smith back, and he's been on fire since he came yeah. back. But are you going to trust a 38 year old goalie that much yeah. to keep it up throughout the entire season? You know, right. like he's been good, and he might be good, but like history has shown that Mike Smith can also be good for two weeks and then disappear for the rest yeah. of the year. It's been a while you know? since Mike Smith so was it, dominant for an entire year, or like very, I mean, very good for yeah, a whole year. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's five. He's five and one in his first six. He's good. He's playing really well. But again, how long do you really think that can that can last? Yeah. Um, um, Winnipeg. Let's yeah. go over to Winnipeg a little bit. Yeah. They've got you know one of the the most elite top sixes yeah. in the entire league, and now Pierre Luc Dubois yeah. is a part of that equation now. Yeah. Um, they made an interesting move too. I was kind of expecting them to keep Dubois at center. I feel like that's where he would, you know, best be able to help the team. And I thought maybe they would put, uh, Paul Stashny in the third line and maybe, maybe they're experimenting with that now. I don't know, but I know they had Stashny as the the second line center and Dubois on the wing on the top line. Um, Mm -hmm. but regardless, they're really coming into their own right now. They're playing very good hockey. Uh, they do have, you know, one of the best goalies in the world. And again, an elite, 
uh, top half of their their forward group, and even their like their the third line's great too. They've got Adam Lowry, they've got Andrew Cobb. They're they're good forward yeah. group, but their defense is still a problem area in my mind. Um, I don't know if that's gonna. I think that'll be an issue for them if they want to be contenders. But they're they're definitely surging up the standings. Big game with Montreal tonight, uh, and I think uh, we're all excited to see how that goes. They're very close in the standings, and it's starting to it's starting to heat up right now. Like we're we're getting down this well not the stretch, but we're getting into the gut check time, and it's it, the season's blowing by, and it's it's going to be really interesting watching this race in the North Division. Aside from that, uh, is there any other topics that you guys wanted to tackle before we jump into the show? Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to the NHL for doing something actually cool for once. Uh, Lake Tahoe <laughs> was amazing. It looked amazing. Uh, they had their little issue with the sun on the Saturday, but um, when they brought the game back at midnight and the next day when they postponed the Bruins game till seven o'clock, it looked awesome. What a different situation. Uh, it's the most watched game on uh, most regular, most watched regular season game in NBC broadcast history, over a million people uh, watched the Flyers game uh, on Sunday. So obviously it worked. Uh, I would rather they do that more than the football stadium thing, but I know, they'll keep doing it. Yeah. It was very cool. That they did, well, they, they won't cause that. they want the ticket revenue and stuff. Right. Yeah. But it was really cool. And I agree with Chris in an ideal world. They keep it like that. Yeah, it would be great. It really would. There was a you mentioned a bit of talk about like it, a game in Central Park or something, and something like that would be would be amazing yeah. to see. All right, uh, we're gonna transition into some Habs Leafs talk. Um, I mean, look, let's start with the Habs. First things first. Claude Julien, Kirk Muller fired. Duchamp is in as the interim head coach, and Alex Burrow has been promoted to the uh, assistant coaching staff. Ty, give me your take on this. Okay, well, I want to start off by saying that. Um, I- I have the utmost respect for both Julian and Muller. Um, I think, like the, both of you, we've heard nothing but tremendous things about both of them, not only as coaches, but as individuals. Yeah. Um, they, they, they both seem to be real. They're, they're just like good people, right? Like, uh, they're just Julian, really good yeah. people that, that make it easier to root for. Yeah. Julian, there's like countless stories of him like sitting down and talking with reporters and just giving them, exactly. you know, his time and, and teaching exactly. them about the game and just being a humble, good dude. So, like, yeah, I've, exactly. I've heard nothing but good things about him. Uh, tremendous things and I have no there's no doubt in my mind that they'll both if they want they'll both find new jobs somewhere in the NHL yeah um you know I just think they both run you know, coaches get hired to be fired they, 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 they that's that's why I like the ongoing joke is that's the same 30 coaches rotating yeah. throughout the throughout the league it's because like none of them that's not a job that you can that you go into thinking I'm gonna be here till i decide I'm, i want something or even like, till it, the end of your contract like julian yeah, got to the yeah. like he had one year left ne- the next year and like i was like damn he got pretty close to the end of that contract you know like that's exactly bad. like I, I look in a in a condensed season um you don't have the same runways you normally would to, to, to yeah. let things i guess play out uh, you know like let's put it, it this yeah. way yeah, <laughs> the habs gave him two eight game losing streaks last year okay yeah. one eight game losing streak is usually enough for a team to at least consider firing the coach. The Habs went through two last year, and from all accounts, it didn't even cross their mind, yeah. right? And Bergevin, he said in his press conference, if I'm not mistaken, that he was starting to get those feelings again of like, ugh, like he he couldn't let let it risk getting to that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Games are so, games seem mean so much more. Um, and it's just you know he's like again Julian just seemed to have lost the room. There there was like this clear, they almost didn't look like the same group of guys on the ice. They there didn't. was something so dis disjointed about them. They looked so uninterested. Half of them didn't even look like they're trying off the nights, which I know like that that's such a clearly is there's not no the way case, to like but yeah but you know what I mean like it's just it's just they didn't seem as engaged as they did to kick off the season. Yeah, I mean and you look, know and. The thing I, that- Sorry, yeah. just to jump in. The thing that gets me is like this is this is a recurring theme over the past few years. Like this yeah. is something that has yeah. happened. Um, they start hot. Yeah, well, we're not even just starting hot, but just yeah. just having stretches where they completely fucking yeah. lose themselves. And like I realize that that's yeah. the thing that happens. All teams go through difficult stretches. Yeah. I get that, but there was. Yeah. This it seems like there's they've had a they've had this big disconnect when it comes to facing adversity and seeing yeah. it through. Like it seems like adversity yeah. hits, and they just like as soon as they can't get out of it in the in the first you know, you know quarter mile of it, 
they yeah. it just gets directed inward. I don't necessarily love that attitude. I really like it's it be it's it's like a goalie, right? What do you want your goalie to do when you're in when you're in a losing streak? Forget the fucking last game and start fresh. And I get it. Like I know you're not a robot. You like the team can't just do that, but I feel like as a team, yeah. if they could find a way to just push through it and understand that like these stretches are going to happen. This doesn't mean that our core can't overcome it. You know, it feels like every right. year when this happens, it's like, it's happened several times over the past few years and not even just with, with Julian uh, with Terry as well, where they looked great. And then a fucking yeah. snide happened that threw the entire season off. So I, I like to look at it this way. Like there are very few things a coach can control on the ice all the time. Yeah. yeah. Claude Julian for a, like, his entire career has been a really, really good coach when it comes to his team playing five on five. Now there are two problems here. One, the Habs are probably the most penalized team in the league. So they never play five on five. Yeah. And then when it comes to special teams, which are the only part of the game that are directly controlled by the coach all the time. Yeah. They are. They're abysmal. And I have it here. 20th on the power play. 22nd on the penalty kill. You can survive a season. If you're 20th in one, you can't survive if you're 20th in both. And let's it's go, not going like, to happen. How many so, years has this been an issue? The special teams have been brutal for years now. Yep. Well, especially the the power play. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, and and it so so there's not only that part of the job that's 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 directly his fault, but it's also, in my opinion, the sign of a greater thing here. Yeah. Right. This is Mark Bergevin saying, "I've built a good team." Yeah. They need to win now. Yeah. Now, well, yeah. hold on, hold on. Yeah. Do we know how good they are? Yeah. That's a different story. Like yeah. one of the things that I saw when I was doing some stuff about the Habs for today. Mm-hmm. Do you know that no player on this team has ever scored more than sixty-one points in a season? Yeah, I saw that you wrote that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's tough. Like that. Like so. The 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 question becomes: Do you think a team that he built right now, mm-hmm. it's built on depth? Is yeah. that a winning formula? Yeah. And he thinks it is. That's fine. Yeah. If he thinks it is. Yeah. If it doesn't work, he needs to go to. Well, and that that that's that's also yeah. part of the part of the equation, right? Like part of Julian and Muller being let go is also Bergevin. Like that's Bergevin acknowledging that this is his last real kick at the can. And if this doesn't work, he's next. Because you usually a, usually a GM gets one bullet yeah. in the chamber. Yeah. He's had yeah. three. He's now. had yeah. three. Exactly. Because he kept on selling people on this long-term plan. You know, what was it? Five years? He said he had a yeah, five-year five plan. Years. And whether you agree with it or not, or whether you agree with like this team that he's assembled being that final product, like whether you think it, it, it it's actually that good or not, like he seems to think that this was what he's wanted from the start. Like he finally has the team that he wanted from the start, mm-hmm. right? And if it's not working, and it's and then and then and firing the coaches doesn't work anything, doesn't fix it, then he's the next to go. Yeah. I think that's the logical next step for sure. And his, his he yeah. must know his ass is on the line this time. You know, like I'm sure he's yeah. felt the heat many times before, but he's got to know that this is like this is the last straw here. He's got to do, got to do something. Um, well, and like and like, sorry, sorry, just to touch on like, so Muller's been running the power play for years now, right? And like, it's just there's just I don't know if there are many other stories around the league of teams having such poor power plays on such a year to year basis nothing changing like i have all the respect in the world for muller both as a person a coach and he was a tremendous hockey player when he still when he was playing but like at the end of the day and maybe i'm just naive when i say this but thing even talking about but building a power play that at least looks like it knows what it's doing is not that hard. Regardless of if you, you if you if your team doesn't have the high end elite talent that Montreal for the time being does not have, you're still up a man on the other team. Beyond you know what I mean, you should still be able like, to implement systems. These are still NHL players who are still should still be able to do NHL things. And if all you're gonna do year in and year out is we're just gonna feed Weber one timers on the blue line and hope they squeak through. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We're lacking that superstar talent that like Munch, uh, that Toronto and Edmonton has. But at the end of the day, these are still NHL players. They should be able to string together some sort of, um, yeah, look, something together. Yeah, just you, don't you, you mentioned too, like the firepower to at least they don't even. Yeah, 
you mentioned like it's not that uh, hard and regardless they of don't it, even it, look it's probably it. not the easiest yeah. thing to get a power play firing on all cylinders but the, regardless of how hard it is it can't be a no. recurring theme year after year it can't so so here's no here's like, that's i'm gonna, I'm gonna I, disagree I said... with you here yeah go ahead go ahead chris I, i'm gonna disagree with you here so the system is bad yes 100 yeah. percent. but the system is bad for yeah. two reasons one i don't think he was creative and two the the power play is the only time where you can say talent is the biggest driver, and and there is no talent. No, 100%. no offense on like we're not talking about they're all NHL players they're way better than ever be. There is no elite offensive talent on that team. So yes, they give every right. shot to Weber and Petrie, who by the mm-hmm. way have the most shots on your power play this year. Twenty two mm-hmm. for Weber, twenty for Petrie, and the next is fifteen a Tyler Toffoli. Right. There, there is no other option for shooting, and that's not good. I don't think that's so, fair, yeah, though. No, I know, and that. But it's, I know that there's not, no you like don't have a, sorry. a Mitch Marner that can throw a pass to a guy that's open from the net. You don't have a Matthews that can take a shot from the half wall. You only have Weber. So yes, it sucks that they keep using him, but it's because there are no better options in a talent-driven okay. situation. And I just before. want to jump in quickly. And on I that. get like, that. I don't think yeah. that's. Yeah, necessarily yeah. fair because there of course there aren't any options that are as good as Weber as far as ripping it from the point but you've got Tyler Toffoli you have guys that can shoot here you even Jonathan Drew has a good shot Suzuki has a good you've got guys KK like these guys can shoot if they're if they're molding it to if they're put in roles where they're they're using these things the right way like they're 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 going to open up the power play like you have guys I'm, that are capable of letting it rip yeah. I just I'm like here's the thing yeah. go yeah. ahead Ty. No, I was just gonna say, Chris, I completely agree with you to at at the at the with your point of this, like your power play is when like having that next level talent really makes a difference. I, I am completely on board with that. But my issue with the Habs was they didn't even look like they knew what they were freaking doing out there. Like I'm not saying you don't need to like there was absolutely no cohesion. There was nothing. They would like they wouldn't move. There was nothing to it. They would just—they'd all stand in their spots and just chuck the puck around the chuck around the chuck the puck around the ozone. Again, obviously the elite talent is what takes those power plays to the next point to the next level. But my point was they didn't even look like a power play. There was what game was it? They were they were they were outshot by Ottawa. I think it was in the last one of the games that they played when the when the Habs had the power play. They were outshot by Ottawa during one of those power plays. Like that's my point. Against the worst team in the league, you can't even get your stuff together enough to get into the ozone. Forget about yeah, taking the shots and passing the puck fine. around. I'm okay with the yeah. system being the majority of the problem, but I'm what yeah. I'm trying to say is that there's a cap for how good the system can make your yeah. power play. A hundred percent, and and that that is a weakness that there will always be on this team until uh, you have an elite talent. I'm so not I, gonna I, I'm not going to pin entirely the whole thing on the fact they couldn't score on the power play. The penalty kill, however. There's no excuse. It's atrocious. Right. So, and like, again, yeah. It's tough. It's a, it's a, it's a rough situation. I was just looking at their stats over the past few years too. And like the only year, like with the last year they had a decent power play, the penalty kill was second last in the league. And that was, I think it's 17, 18. And then like uh, the last you know time I mean? they had a, a penalty kill that was decent, the power play was abysmal. It's, it's just, it's always, and like you said, like you, you can survive with one or the other, but even then, if you're surviving with one of yours, whether, whether it's power play or penalty kill, if one of them is flailing that badly, yeah, you can survive if you're really good. But if you don't have the ability to overcome that, like just having one being that bad is going to really do a number on you. Right. Um, and, and I that, agree completely that yeah. like the, the, for sure with the talent and the way this roster is built, there's absolutely a cap on how good this power play can be. I just think that it's... They don't even There's, look like a power play. No, That's the and they, I think they have a lot more potential than they've shown um, in, over the past few years, even. Never mind this year. And they they look like they were showing. They look like they were living up to some of that potential early on in the year when things were rolling. But yeah. teams figure it out, and it just it stops. And it's like they right. just. And that's my point, right? Like, they, like the issue. Like it's it also comes back to like, you can say that there is a cap of talent on this team, which there there is, like. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Montreal Canadiens have more talent than the Toronto Maple Leafs, but as a coach, as a coach, then your job is to adjust. You need to, you like, you can't, you can't sit there and go, well, we don't have the elite to pull off. The, we're just going to dumb it down as much as we can and just hope it works. Like it, you need to have some sort of creativity, like you said, Chris. There needs to be some sort of flexibility. These, like I mentioned before, these are NHL players. They can still do things. And it's just, they've looked, it's just looked atrocious. Yeah. 
and you need to change that up. You need fresh blood. You need to 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 make a change. And honestly, like, it's it's kind of amazing that it's taken this long for there to be a significant change. And just just from the power play alone, like how mm. do you get three years into the however long it's been of having a brutal power? Play, how long does it take? before you make a change. Like it's, it, it's, it's impressive that it took this long. Uh, again, I have respect for both of those coaches. I think they're both good coaches, but a, a change I think was, was needed. And it was, it seemed like it was, if it wasn't happening now, it was likely to happen down the road and it's better to happen now than down the road. Right. So I'm excited 100%. to see what Deshaun can do. Yeah. And, and, and sorry, just, just to touch on it before we move on. Um, look, the, the one thing, cause we actually haven't talked about the two new coaches coming in. The one thing I am very much looking forward to with Ducharme taking over um, behind the bench is that like, I'm sure you guys both heard this. Like he was, when the Habs were pl- flying high early on this season, that was his doing. That yeah. was him. Yeah. And then Julian decided, no, I want to start, you know, like I want to start focusing on the D side of the puck a little bit more. And that you could like, you could, the, the, the change on, on the ice was so like, so obvious so i am excited to see if ducharme comes in i don't know much behind burrows um but i am excited to see if ducharme comes in and he he goes back to that high flying kind of hockey that everyone fell in love with early on in the season yeah it's going to be really interesting to see the changes even just the first game tonight it's going to be really interesting to see um let's move over to price price is a big part of this team price is a big part of this team's success when things are good and there's it's tough to not acknowledge right now that price is also a big part of the situation when things aren't going good uh, or aren't going well. And right now they're not going well and his underlying numbers are not too pretty. Chris, you, you have some good stuff on, on price right now. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know that the conversation with Carrie price is very um, uh, legacy related and I, I'm going to start by admiring his legacy. All right. It's more than PJ stock did yesterday. Yeah, oh God, so I don't want to know. the question is right now, is he a good goalie? Yeah. And there is zero evidence of that being the case. Yeah. We can discuss about the you know the quality of saves and the timing of saves. That's not really how I look at goalies play in particular, just because I find every save is a good save because it means there's no goal. Just to clarify, so, I want to hold you to something here. When you're saying there's zero evidence of that, do you mean that he, there's zero evidence of him playing as a good goalie right now, or are you saying in a broader sense in his, his ability? Uh, right, now. right now. Right now. Right now. I'm going to specify right now. Right. Uh, yes, over the term of his career, like the 2013 to 2016 version of Carey Price is one of the best goal-to-link performances in the history of the NHL. Yeah. I'm talking about right now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Montreal is doing something that Claude Julien is known for, which is controlling expected goals against. So when they're on the ice which for every hab altogether as a team, they are the second best team for allowed chances and allowed expected goals. Wow. So as a defensive unit, they're the best second best defensive unit in the league. Jesus. And Carey price in saving those goals is the seventh worst. So, it sounds like fancy numbers, but I'll put it simply like this. There's a, a, an average calculation you can make of, based on the expected goals your team allows, how many goals your goalie should save. And they call that ga- goals saved above replacement, mm-hmm. which basically means goals saved above average. Mm-hmm. Carry Price right now is at negative three. Oof. So, yes, we talked about in the last episode that his high danger chances are really good, but his low danger ones are getting worse as we speak while the high danger ones deteriorate back to the regress towards the mean, yeah, like regress back to average. Right now, this is not a good goalie, and it's interesting because Jay Callen is playing so well. So, do there are there are multiple things that that come into play here. One, there's a new coaching change. Do you think he would be able to start off by choosing Jake Allen for a few games, and then more than that, uh, goaltending is tough because. Um, we, you know, we talk about players that make too much money, like Jason Spezza when he was on the Dallas Stars. Yeah, it sucks that he makes seven million, but there's eleven other forwards you could put him on the fourth line. It sucks on your cap, but there's not much overall damage is not terrible. Mm-hmm. Like Carey Price takes makes ten million dollars, ten and a half million dollars, and there are only two goalies on the roster. Like, if he doesn't play, it's Jake Allen. Does the team have the 
can they move beyond the legacy of this man and try, hey, right now the guy who's giving us a better chance of winning games is Jake Allen. We need to use that. It's something I think you have to take into to, to account if you're if especially if you're a new coach taking over. That being said, this is I mean, look, when Claude Julien took over last time, he was playing terrible hockey before that under Terrian. And as soon as Julien took over, if I'm not correct me if I'm wrong, I, I I'm fairly certain here that he was he went on he was on fire. He he played yeah. great hockey for the rest of that year. Um he's if it was virtually any other goalie I would say that you need to consider it a little more heavily than I, than I'm about to say now, but because it's price and you know, both from a respect standpoint and because of a, of, of his history, I think he's going to get the opportunity and I think he deserves the opportunity to yeah. see if he's able to find it, figure it out, you know, in short order. Um, and it's, it's so interesting. Like you, you, everything you're saying <clears throat> with the, 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 the underlying numbers, it really aligns with the game that he had against Ottawa. Like he had, he had some big saves. He had some really like, impressive saves and high danger saves and then he had other ones where it was just you need to save that you need to stop that game that time goal yeah you can't allow that on on uh, the goal from kachuk and i get it like yeah he, he got caught out of position you can't get caught a position like i know it's it's mm. carrie price we have a tendency because of how much we respect him and revere him we tend to to excuse a lot of his faults or i know i do but you, yeah, you can't do that that cannot happen at that point in the game is especially it, it can't happen um, Steve Dangle has a really good uh, connotation that he used to explain Mitch Marner, and I like it, so I'm going to use it for Price. Do it. Uh, Kyrie Price makes no off-game money. Yeah, yeah. He can't he can't have an off-game. But yeah. that's just, and I I get it, and 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 I don't know exactly what you're talking about, us, Chris, because I like I've, I I listen to that podcast too, and, and and I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, it's just hard with goalies. That's such a hard. Like I get the sentiment, and I do. I I agree with it to an extent. I just I find that such a like, like you said, Chris. He's not playing well right now, um, and he does need to be better, um, especially for the amount of money he's making. But it's just that kind of idea for me doesn't work as well with goalies because the posi- yeah. because that position is just such a wacky from night to night kind of position. Goalies, I, I tweeted about the other day that I was joking. Like, and this isn't just about price. This is about goalies, all goalies across the board. The lowest paid goalie in the NHL and the highest paid goalie in the NHL will all let in goals. They'll all let in bad goals and they'll all let in bad goals at bad times. That's just the way this position works. John Gibson lets in bad goals too. He's considered one of the best in the world. Carey Price is going to have, again, he needs to be better for, for what he's being paid. Um, and for what the team and the fan base expects of him. But I don't ne- know if I necessarily agree with the no nights off, well, no bad nights. Well, this is why it, 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 it brings back the debate of, like, should goalies get contracts like that? Should right. elite goalies get right. paid the same kind of money as elite players? And right. I, I agree with you, Ty. Like, I think you have to factor in, like, that goalies – it's inherent in what they're doing. They're going to have bad nights. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's going to happen – Maybe yeah yeah I think it's going to happen a little more often than it will with players. Period. Um, I think yeah. it's anyway. it's tough. It, it's so the question the the question is here: Which goalie gives you a better chance to win every night? And if it's not your ten million dollar goalie, don't play him. Look no, at Florida. Look at Florida. Yeah. yeah. Sergey Bobrovsky has played three games this yeah. year. Drieger's... He makes the same amount of money. Yeah. Dreger makes less than a million. And who gives you the better start every night? Right. Dreger. So guess who's in that? It's they, are play, they are it's, playing Bobrovsky a little more than that, though. Like, but I, I totally feel you. Drager is the better player, and they're giving him the the more starts. He's giving he's getting and, the majority. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like for what it's worth, too, and and, and like I, Chris, I am one hundred percent on board with the you play the better goalie on any given night. Doesn't matter if they're making ten and a half. Doesn't matter if they're making min, league men. You play the best goalie. You play the goalie that gives you the best chance to win. Now, the thing that I'm most curious about is that. Apparently, and I haven't read much behind this, but if prices like deep dive numbers are as bad as you say they are, um, like I, I was, I was, I was reading about the other day that that's something that Ducharme takes into consideration very heavily. Like he's very analytical, analytically focused. I guess is the way you put it. Like he, that is something that he takes into consideration. My guess is more than Julian ever did, 
So I'm just curious to see if maybe he does look at price a little bit differently and goes, you know what? Like you might have the reputation and you might have had one hell of a career up to this point, but I'm going to need you to show me that you want this net. I'm not just going to give it to you because you make ten and a half million and because you were good years ago. You know what I mean? What a difficult position for a first-time NHL head coach yeah. to, to be in, you know? Well, because you also don't want to upset your goal either. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Carey Price mad is not what you want. It does. It, it's, it's you know, I keep fucking flip-flopping on the issue of, like, should goalies earn the same amount as players? I don't know. I don't know where I stand. They shouldn't. On. I don't they, think they should. Yeah, they, maybe they shouldn't. They should. I always said, like, that they, they deserve But it's just there is so much more risk when you're signing a goalie to a long-term big money deal. And I don't mean big money like what Markstrom just got. I think that's, yeah. well, I mean, it's a lot for him, I think, personally, but that's a reasonable number and a reasonable, yeah. you know, ceiling or, well, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's in the area of the reasonable it's a ceiling. I think you go a little higher than that. But yeah. to give goalies like eight, nine million a year plus for six plus years, I mean, mm. with how, I mean, golden, goalie is voodoo. It's, it's goalies just... Yeah. It seems like you don't know what you're getting any given night. Yeah, you don't. Especially you when you take like, on a chance on a goalie who's older. Yeah, yeah. like like like, Price like what Tampa did with Vasilevsky is not a big deal. That makes no, sense because he fine. was 23 when he signed yeah. the deal, and it's going to end before he's 30. What happens when you sign a guy like Price who not only has a history of injuries, mm-hmm. but was also 29 when you signed the deal? Then it gets dicey. He didn't have that big. No, because now you've that time, you, did he? like he's with got injuries? that deal for six more years. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't know. It, again, we all know that Carey Price is one hot month away from being the Lord and Savior of the exactly. city again, and everyone's going to forget about how much they hated them because yeah. they do this every year. Um, it, it's just like, I mean, I'm, in, in plain terms, in numbers that yeah. aren't super complicated, save percentage in the last three years, mm-hmm. or last four, let's say, 893 this year, which is bad, 909 last year, 918, and 900. Like, yeah. This is not the goalie that put up three consecutive years of 9:30. It's not him anymore, yeah. and that's yeah. fine. It's just but he also to, makes it's it's a, it's a more loaded question now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let's put it this way: like, like as much as I love Price, and as much as you guys both know, like I do spend a lot of time trying to come up with different ways that I can have his back. I don't feel confident with him in the net right now, at all, which sucks. And Jake Allen, like. I could I could easily stay up all night and watch a six overtime game with Jake Allen Nets and have full confidence in in him right now. I was saying to Chris before the before the show we were talking about this a bit and I was saying like it's strange to me because I watch Allen and Net and I think you know more than anything I think it's a composure thing I think it's just a, a demeanor thing yeah. but Allen to me still looks like the shakier goalie despite the fact that he's playing phenomenal and again like I'm thinking about it more I think it's just Price's way you know he's got that demeanor and that's I think why it's just people his, fucking hate yeah. him. When yeah. he's doing poorly, because yeah. it it's looks just because like he he's got care. the yeah, yeah. It looks like he's, he's doesn't. Really he's got the swagger on the ice, right? Yeah, he just fucking. He's he's cool. Yeah. He's calm and collected. You know, he he's very. Yeah, yeah. he's very deliberate in the things but he like, does, and he's he's very methodical. So, but like that's that's the thing. This is the thing that's driving me nuts with him right now. Is that like anytime they take like a week, like I'm not even joking when I say every time, a team takes a weak shot from the blue line, I get. I get queasy my stomach. Yeah. But when I forget what his name is, came in on the breakaway in OT the other night against Price, I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to make that save. Like, that's the issue with him. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, it does, like, again, or when he went cross crease to Stutzel, like, it, there's just, and he made that save, but then he lets in the Kachuk. Like, it, it, the just inconsistency is mind boggling at this point. Yeah. It's very frustrating. It's a tough, uh, yeah. it's a tough, conundrum to be faced with you know year in year out it seems like now um look hopefully he figures it out it's carry price it's you know it's always a threat i have full hope i have full faith um i'm my my hope is and and i don't know how what you guys are thinking i'm hoping that teams have learned from the price and the bobrovsky experiments um but you know i again i have full faith in him he's he's shut people up before Yep. Literally, what was it that a couple years ago when he told everybody to relax? It wasn't that, what was that, that a long time ago? No, that was wasn't it? that was a long yeah, but that was so years. good when the city was, was on him and he was like, relax. that was that was his first good year, I think. Like that was, like, that was the year so that he turned funny. good. That yeah, it was really so it was really good time. That was so cool, man. It was great. What a guy. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to some Leafs talk here. We've uh, we spent some good time on the Habs. Um, okay, I wrote this down on our on our rundown, and I'm gonna say it. 
Austin Matthews is a generational talent, and there's no reasonable debate to be had on the subject. I know that there are some people... For There's two sides of the coin. You've got people on the Leafs fan base saying that he's better, better than McDavid, which is something I want to touch on quickly. And you've got other people that are saying he's not a generational talent. And just, I think it's, you know, more Leafs hate than anything. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from Habs fans. Uh, I, I cannot understand how you cannot watch this guy and see him as a generational talent. And I think we're blessed to be having a group of, of young players that have, we've got several of these guys, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, he's not, I don't, I don't think he's quite at McDavid's level, but Chris, what, what, what do you feel? I wanted to ask you this a while. What do you feel on that debate? Matthews versus McDavid. Do you think there's a reasonable argument to be made that McDavid is the second best player in the world? No, McDavid no, is the best okay. player on the planet. I don't, Thank I don't you. think it's, I don't think it's super far, but McDavid is the best player on the planet. Yeah. Austin Matthews is like the next guy. Yeah. Like I, I would personally have him right now ahead of McKinnon, which yeah, it's just controversial. Whatever. I think he's, he's gearing up there. Like this, we have to remember this guy is a year younger than McDavid. Yeah. Like, there's still room for him to grow, and he's scoring at a goal a game pace, which is hilarious. The fact that he's doing it with a wrist injury yeah. is even funnier. Like it's just the 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 level of play that he has is absurd. Now what what McD- what Matthews has that McDavid doesn't is a super consent consistently strong defensive play in his game mm-hmm. now we talked about mcdavid having that recently so that's putting him above but in in the the more encompassing metrics for like uh war or goals above replacement matthews does better in those because his defense is so good mm-hmm. he like it, it, he is actively a selkie candidate yeah and like to hear like the the I understand that it's Toronto, so obviously everything gets blown up. Whenever Matthew scores, it's on every channel, whatever. Uh, but it, it's tough to say that he's not number two. I don't see how you can say that anymore, Spence. You're right. It's just this is the best Leaf to ever play. Uh, it's probably on the same level of goal-scoring talent as Ovechkin. Like it, mm. since he's been in the league, nobody has scored at a higher pace than Matthews. It's it's so at five funny. on five. Like it's just he's an absurd player, and, and to know that he's getting friend. better is a it's a scary thought. It's just yeah, it's it would would a like forwards usually reach their peak between twenty four and twenty seven. Like Matthews not, isn't twenty four yet. Not forwards like this. Like you look at Crosby, you look at like some of these elite talents, Ovechkin. Like they keep getting better over time and like even into their 30s they're picking up other things that they didn't have in years past you know so it's i think it, that doesn't necessarily apply maybe statistically uh but I, I don't know i really i think math is, is on his way to to having many many years like this and it's it's funny to me how controversial it is to say like i hear you say these things and i'm like oh that sounds like a hot take it should not be a hot take to say that matthews has ovechkin caliber goal scoring in him and like you can debate whether Ovechkin is the better one. Obviously, he's got the the unbelievable history of goal scoring. He's got more um, stats and and the longer time in the league on his side. But I don't think it should be controversial at all to to be talking about them in the same sentence. I, that's just no, me personally. And so to, to 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 summarize the debate here, like obviously McDavid is the best player on the planet. Uh, but if I had to pick a Hart Trophy nominee. It would be Matthews. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a little hard to take. That's fair. Interesting. <clears throat> I wonder, I mean, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I don't know if he would. I, I, It's the most valuable player to his team, right? That's the definition yeah. of the heart? It's, and uh, the Leafs are, like, they're in first place in the North, but they have not played, like, a first place team in every game. And what happens in every game? Austin Matthews scores a goal to tie a really shitty game and we win. Like it's just, it, 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 it there's, there, there is no um, denying that he is the biggest part of this team and they're in first place. Mm-hmm. So how could you say that he's not worthy of the heart? Well, that, that's an interesting point too. Like, like if you look at the Leafs, say they finish in first place and they, you know, and then Edmonton either limps into the playoffs or, you know, they get in there, but they're not, you know, they didn't have a great, great year. I mean, how do you, like, I think now that like, I think about it, like, it, it does make sense. You would give that to Matthews. You do have that incredible supporting cast around him that, that does cloud the issue a bit and will make this 
no matter what year, as long as the that that core is there, there's always going to be debate about any of those guys being in the Hart Trophy com- conversation. Not that you know anyone's that much more likely than than Matthews to be in it. I think he's the guy that's going to be in the the talks every year. But it's it's interesting. Like, does that hold more weight than McDavid with Drysaddle on his side, basically like? single or double-handedly bringing the the Oilers to the playoffs, but not much more, you know, like it's a, it's an interesting point. You make a good argument for it. But if, if Dreisaitl can win it and he's the second best player on his team, yeah. why can't Matthews? Yeah. That's a fair yeah, point. Fair. So we talked about, uh, we talked about the surrounding cast around Matthews. Uh, Willie Nylander is picking it up a little bit here. Finally, he's had a little tough stretch and he's starting to score goals again. Hey, Chris. Yeah, him and him and JT. It's been it's been an interesting year because the I thought John Tavares' first ten games this year played like the best I've seen him in a Leafs jersey, and then the next ten were just dreadful. Yeah, uh, and Willie kind of had the same thing going for him. He even got benched a few games ago, um, but last night, man, he uh, scored that goal uh, to to send it to overtime from guess where the inner slot, and then scored again from the inner slot in overtime. Uh, He's a special player as a rod for negative and positive news. Yeah. I'm glad he's back because we need him. Yeah. Right now we need him. There's too many injuries. He he can't have off games either. So we need him and he played well last night. Uh, JT, I wanted to just touch on. Yeah, he hasn't looked great. Uh, don't tell me he's slow. He's never been fast. That's <laughs> not the way he plays. Um, he's shooting at 3% at five on five. His career average is 12 He'll be fine. Yeah. JT will be fine. There's going to be positive regression there. Um, How are you feeling about their power play in Toronto right now? Yeah, so so I was concerned uh, when they gave it to Manny Malhotra, and then he switched it up. So he took off the the Nylander and Tavares from the the first unit, put them on the second, and he had uh, Jumbo and Simmons on the first. So he split them up one minute each. I'm a large fan of playing your best players for like almost for the full two minutes. But obviously I was wrong. They have the best power play in the NHL, and... Um, it's been working. The last two games have been tough, but I'm assuming that's because they're playing Jimmy VC and Travis Boyd on the first unit because yeah. like Thornton is hurt. Simmons is hurt. Uh, Nick Robertson is coming back from the AHL soon, but he was recovering from injury. Uh, like there was just, there was, there's a, there's so many injuries. It's, it's tough to, to play the guys you want all the time. So I'll give them the last two games. Um, what I would want to say, the last thing, just before the Leafs, we talk, we start talking about something else. Um, I don't know how much Leafs games you guys watch, but Kerfoot's been our, our 3C this year. In the last yeah. few games, they started playing him at left wing yeah. with Tavares and Nylander, and he's looked really good, like really, really good. He's done it before in the past, and it's been fine, but this year it's a lot, lot better. Uh, so much so that uh, Chris Johnson was speculating. Obviously speculating, he's not reporting, speculating. Um that the Leafs like him at left wing, and instead of trading for a winger, uh, they're going for a center to play oh. on that third line. Uh, if that's the case, mm-hmm. uh, I would like to throw my hat in the ring. Kyle Dubas, please trade for Eric Stahl. <laughs> I must have it. That'd be wild. I must have <laughs> that Eric That would be Stahl. so wild. <laughs> I think that'd be a great move for them. I, I would buy a jersey the second they announce the trade. I wouldn't even wait for the number. Uh, yeah, if that can happen, that would be good. And I think he would fit perfectly. I know they've assembled this core of young guys, and most of the perimeter players are older guys. Stahl is still a, like a, a useful player. At third line, you could do a lot worse than Eric Stahl. So, what would you what would you um, say if they got Jordan Stahl? That motherfucker's on fire right now. Uh, he's good, but I don't think they can fit a six million a year. Yeah, that's uh, a very fair point. The only advantage with Eric Stahl is, is three million. <laughs> Imagine yeah, a third I mean, line. Of Stahl, Thornton, and Simmons. Oh my! Yeah, that'd be something. Yeah, that's. Oh see, I don't think they'd play it like that. Like they the wouldn't, but I it would just be no. the nostalgia behind it. Would be yeah, exactly. insane. It'd be the 2010 All Star team. Well, three again. of the most <laughs> dominant players from when they each played, like when they're each at their peaks, all yeah. on one line. That would be wild. Just getting so, yeah, skated I, around. I'm, by I'm the excited for that. If they, if that's the case, uh, I would really like it to be Stahl, but I understand if it's not Stahl. Yeah. I just need, I just need a little bit more on that that third line. I don't like VC at all. I don't want to see him in the lineup whatsoever. So, whether they get another winger or a center for that third line, that's fine as long as the VC doesn't play. VC's on his last stop before being out of the league. I think right now. I don't think. Uh, and he's not 
he doesn't look like he's going to stay in. So no, no, I, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't know what's the deal with him. Like, there was a quite a bit of, or like, reasonable hype when he was coming out of college. He was a very talented player, um, and there was genuine sentiment that he could transition those skills into the NHL and become an effective, uh, uh, like, point producer in the NHL. Maybe not a dominant player, but a pretty good one. And it just has not happened, man. Like every year, it seems like this was the last year I was. I saw the signing as a, it was a great. It, I still stand by that. It's a great signing. It's a low risk, potentially a good reward. It's just you know, it's not working out. But it, I thought this yeah. year maybe he would he would Brent, mesh with the team. But I don't know. When when he was in college and he's a free agent, Brian Burke, and it's my favorite one of my favorite Brian Burke segments to, sh- to just say that like, how backwards some of the thoughts are. Uh, he suggested the Leafs sign Jimmy VC. And get rid of Nylander. Jesus. Can you imagine if they had done that? Jeez. My God. No, thank you. You're a director of My hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins, ladies and gentlemen. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a... Yeah, he's got some uh, some takes. Kerfoot. You mentioned Kerfoot, man. Like, I, I I felt like Kerfoot... Or I feel like Kerfoot hasn't found his footing in Toronto at any point. Like, it, last year it was him and Barry. And this year it seems like him again. Like, he's not having a... He's not a, playing poorly or, or really sticking out like a sore thumb, I don't think, but like he was a good player in Colorado and I just feel like he hasn't fit that system all that well in Toronto. Yeah. He's been, he's been uh, tough. Like last year definitely wasn't great. Uh, this year, the first start, the, he had the same problem he had last year, a lot of penalty trouble. And I really hate when people take penalties for no reason. Yeah. Uh, but this year, like, or not this year, but the last seven games, he has seven points. Yeah. So I don't know if it's you know it's probably the advantage of playing with Willie and Tavares, but it there is some hints that it's he's finally fighting his footing and and, and that would be great because it would they need him yeah and he's a very good player like if he can yeah. find his footing and and I mean why trade him like you know if you can, I guess if the deal makes sense if you can get Eric Stahl maybe but like I don't know why you would trade him if he finds his <laughs> game because he's a very good player you know like it's it would be nice like they they brought him in to be that guy and if he's finally becoming that guy then let him be that guy let him run with it. Um, anything else in the Leafs, Chris? You got anything else you wanted to talk about? No, uh, I'm. I think they're down. They're due for like a downward spiral. So, yeah, they've been soaring we'll high for for a while. There's yeah, it's it's a... they're they're the best team, but I don't think they're this far apart. Like it'll come down to some more normal stuff. But I'm not gonna stress about it. They'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah. can I ask? Because I haven't heard anything. What's um, what's with Galchenyuk? What are they doing with him? Uh, okay, Do so know yet? The, yeah, they they mentioned a few times that they really wanted him working on his skating, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't know if anyone here reads Jack Han. Uh, he had great. pointed out since his knee injury, you know, the year he scored thirty goals, he changed yeah. his skating stride coming back from the knee injury, and it just hasn't worked. I so, heard about that too. So apparently they're working that. on that with him. I know he's like a lot of individual skill stuff, but they always do that with players when they first come to the Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll play. But in a few weeks, they'll give him a lot of time to reset, a lot of time to find some of the things that he was best at. And if there is a team that can appreciate offense only, it's probably this one. Maybe he finds some kind of resurgence. It's not a hard gamble. So I hope I hope he does well. I love these signings when it's like Bergevin doing them, you know, like I love those low risk high reward signings. If he can. I mean, it's a great situation for him if he can make it work. Go ahead. It'd be so freaking funny if he popped off. That would be the funniest so thing if he found his old game. I can just picture it now. I can picture an OT Montreal versus Toronto, <laughs> and him taking that freaking shot that we that we we saw so many times in Montreal. I would hate I, it in I that just, instance, but I'd be very happy for yeah. him as a player. He's I'd be very happy for him down. because he deserves it. Like he, yeah. there's no denying that he's worked his butt off. It's just not working. It's, there's just something about I don't it's know what just, it is. The, the stars haven't aligned for him. Um. Because there's no denying the talent. Was it, remember when they drafted him? I mean, don't get me wrong. That draft class, in retrospect. I mean, look, Galchenyuk is still the second leading scorer in that draft class. Yeah. To give you. But an idea. like they originally, when when that before that draft was going before that draft happened, going in there were talks that he was going to jump to one. Yep. Like yeah, he was supposed to go one, and Yakupov and Murray would have dropped a little bit. Which at the time um, like seemed crazy. Like there was a lot of like, no, Yakupov yeah. he's the clear guy. Yeah, yeah, some people are saying, but like in retrospect, it's like, well, that wouldn't be. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe a, I mean, neither of them really panned out that exactly. great so far. But he certainly panned uh, out better than Yakupov. Yeah, 
I bashed Brian Burke before, but yeah. in this one, I'll tell you that apparently yes, he tried that. to try to yep. trade for first to get Morgan Riley. Yep. Yep. He and wanted... then he heard that no one wanted him. So he just waited and took him at five. And I think he's the number one out of all those guys. What he is. He is. Well, that, and that's just the thing with all GMs, right? Like it's Philip Forsberg, by the way. It's just, one so... oh, oh yeah. Oh, that guy's a beast. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. just, it's just so funny. Some of these GMs, like here's some stories and then you hear other ones. And like, it's just so funny how polar opposites some of their decisions are. Like, just like, <laughs> like, there's no way they're coming from the same brain, some of them. It's interesting stuff. I, I, I love seeing, I love Burke. Uh, I loved him as an analyst anywhere. I enjoyed yeah. him quite a bit as an analyst. Yeah, me too. Just, he gives, he's very candid. He'll give stories, behind the scenes stories that you don't normally hear. And I love hearing those stories. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing mm-hmm. the inner workings of, of, of a hockey team and just the, the, the management side of it. And, I don't know. I, I love his stories with that stuff. I, I, I wish him the best yeah. in Pittsburgh. I hope it works out. And they're they're on a tear right now. Like Pittsburgh is hot. They're they're playing really good hockey yes. right now. So they're yep. very yeah. good. They might uh, they might find their way with him uh, with him as the director of hockey ops. And maybe him and, and Ron Hextel will get all the praise. Uh, all right, we're gonna move on and we're gonna touch on some women's hockey. Chris, what's going on right now in uh, in women's hockey? So there's really good news that the NWHL plans to return at the end of March. They're going to play in Boston. I don't know exactly which rink, but that would be nice to see the six take up uh, the semifinal and finals that they they had worked so hard for. Uh, When I get more of that, I'll be writing about it. So look out for that. And uh, the PWHPA plays this weekend. Uh, The Minnesota chapter versus the New New Hampshire chapter. They play uh, both games at MSG at seven this weekend. So Saturday and Sunday. Uh, which is February 27th, 28th. And both the games, so for you guys, uh, they'll be mm-hmm. on Sportsnet. Beautiful. And yeah. NBC. That's so awesome. you'll be able to watch them. Uh, there are more games coming. Um, like they'll probably do for a lot of the chapters that exist, but I'm sure the Canadian ones will have games soon. Um, so look out for that because I'll be doing my usual post-game review stuff. Uh, there's a lot of players in these um so if you get confused with the names and stuff the pwhpa website has a list of every player from each chapter so you can uh you know check the name numbers on the jerseys so when you're watching you can uh, follow along be a little yeah. bit less get lost more familiar yeah for sure i think that's gonna be great like just being able to have that uh familiarity with it hopefully there's there's more and more uh tv deals that come into the equation because it's it's gonna be really fun to 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 really get to follow these players and start to love these players and, and, and root for them in a way that you haven't really, or it hasn't been as accessible to do that in the past, you know, unless you're a real diehard, it's been, it's been very tough to do. So uh, hopefully that, that heads in the right direction. Um, yeah, that sure. tournament before it got cut short, I mean, that was, it was a great success. Um, I, I, it opened I hope my they bring eyes. it back on Twitch just for the group chat. Yeah. Hopefully there's uh, there's a lot more of that coming in the future. Uh, all right. Let's start to transition out of this. Uh, interesting matchups or storylines around the league for the next couple weeks. What are uh, what are you guys looking at? Personally, I'm I'm just looking at the coaching change in Montreal. I want to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. that's what's got my my eye the most. Anyway, uh, yeah. I want to see how how Duchamp does in the first two weeks of his job. Um, what about you guys, Chris? What are you looking at? Uh, Trevor Zegras. Mm, Man, nice. did you guys see? You guys saw what, what I sent goal. you last mm-hmm. night? Huh? Yeah. The sh- the shootout. Oh they, my Just God. the guy is nasty. Uh, I, I am very excited to watch him play more because he, he looks was, like he's going to be a fun highlight reel yes, forever. He's he ridiculous. He was a joy to watch at the World Juniors, and yeah, I can't wait to see him doing it in the NHL too. What a, the release just blew my mind on that shootout goal. Oozes confidence. Yeah, really. It's ridiculous. Against that does not an look NHL like a player. Goalie, he did like, that. Yeah, and like that doesn't look like a guy who he hasn't been in the roster on the on the in the lineup much. You know what I mean? Like he tried to crack the team yeah. and didn't really crack the team, and he gets called up for this, and it's just yeah it's it's a it's a hell of a hell of a statement and a lot of confidence that you you gotta have to do that for sure it was so cool uh ty what are you looking at i'm looking at the exact same thing as you spence honestly i'm looking to see how they bounce back from the coaching change and more to that like i'm i want to see what kind of change this really what kind of effect of what kind of effect this really has on the team because it's it you do oftentimes see uh, a team make make a coaching change and then it appears to work because you know, like a change of a change of uh, uh, not a change of scenery, just a, a, change, a change of pace or like a change of a change of, of pace can kind of like get the guys going again, and then yeah. it's not too long before they find themselves back in the hole that they were originally yeah. in. You know what I mean? Like I want to see if this because Bergevin said this is it's his job for the season. Basically, it's a it's, it's a tryout for Duchamp. Yeah. This is you have free reigns as long as the team, I guess, doesn't fully 
implode. He has he has the reins of the team for at least the rest of the season. So it'll be interesting to see. Is this one of those things where he comes in, the team heats up because they want to play well for the new coach, and then it, it fizzles out, or is he going to have a, a lasting effect on them? So I'm going to keep it. I'm interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing that it's you know I'm looking at it for the first two weeks, but this is obviously this is the long game, right? You want to see what what's going to happen over the the following I, months for sure. I'm also I'm also like a, I, I'm hoping that. I'm curious to see what he does with the lineup. I haven't seen what, what it's supposed yeah. to look like tonight, but there there have been a few calls. There were a few calls leading up to uh, Julien uh, be, being let go that uh, both like just lineup calls, but also just in-game adjustments that I was just kind of, people were kind of scratching their heads at. So I was, I'm curious to see how he, how he handles his, his squad. Yeah, I am too. All right, boys. Uh, geez, I, this is bizarre. <clears throat> like I, I'm... My instinct is to let this go another half an hour and then sign off, but uh, I think we're going to do it now. We we got kept this like an hour. I'm proud of us. We did it, boys. We, we did, did it. it. Our listeners will love us. Yeah, yeah. Why do you add an S to that word? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. It'll be uh, my lovely girlfriend. Yeah. I don't even and... think mine listens, so yeah, it's, just your, it's just Amanda. Mine does. <laughs> hey, May. Hi. Hey, thanks for listening. All right. Uh, let's sign it off. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HockeyOMC. Ty? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TylerO'Connor95. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, but you probably don't want to, oh, yeah, at yeah, Chris6 yeah. or 7. Beautiful. There it is. Thank you to Hot Sauce Sports. This, is, uh, this has been real, guys. I always love talking to you. And, yeah, stay healthy out there, everybody. <laughs>